by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Hello and welcome to N17 Women, the podcast about Tottenham Hotspur women's team. I'm here today with Sean. Hi Sean, how are you doing? Well, I'm yeah, I'm I'm warmer and I'm drier than I have been during this week with football, but yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Um we're a little depleted at the moment. Abby is in work finishing something off but is going to be joining us in the middle of the pod I think so at some point soon you're going to hear Abby as well with us. Caroline has had a family emergency and so she isn't going to be here with us today. So let's get started. We've got a lot to get through today with two games to talk about. The first was a freezing cold WSL game played against Everton on Wednesday night which we lost 3-0 and the second we had a rain sodden Conti Cup away game game against Southampton on Sunday which we won 1-0 so let's take them in order and then have a think about where we are after the final two games of 2022. First up we have on Wednesday at 7pm the game against Everton this was played in minus four degrees the club has announced that there was an official attendance of 303 but it looked more like there was 100 and somebody else did a head count and counted 92 so whichever figure you go with it was an incredibly poorly attended game something that was not unexpected it had been rescheduled with a couple of weeks notice there was a rail strike it was absolutely freezing as I've already said and it clashed with a World Cup semi-final so Prior to the game, we talked about how bad this was, and I think we weren't very surprised to see such a poor turnout. I do think it meant that there was a kind of sense of um, last man standing around those people who did make it. And Sean and I were just saying earlier that it kind of created a slightly um, hysterical, hilarious feel, I guess, to it. I guess the upside was that Spurs fans didn't come to see what was probably the team's worst performance of the year. But I think that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. So let's start by thinking about what we found out before the game. We had a lineup for this game, which was Becky Spencer in goal, a backline of Amy Turner, Molly Bartrip, Shalina Zadorsky, and Asmita Ale. We had Evelina Sumanum and Cho So Hyun as the holding midfield pair and Drew Spence in front of them. And then a front three of Rosilla Ryan, Nicola Karcheska, and Ash Neville. So, what did you think when you saw this lineup, Sean? Pretty much largely what you know no not much change apart from you know we have a little bit of change going on every game don't we but uh, so Cho starting um which she hasn't done all season and back for I guess uh Azzy there coming back um into into the team um but largely what you'd expect I think really and I mean like good great to see Nikki starting the game which she hadn't done so much and as we've said the way we play really is set up for playing with Nikki, so that's good to see her starting. But yeah, just that, just that constant kind of slight tweaking that's going on, probably injury related and and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, pretty much what what we were were thinking. Probably, what did what did you think? Yeah, I didn't. There was no massive surprise, and obviously, it was a team that was set up as we expected, as we talked about last pod. 
Rianne isn't changing the shape very much in these games. She's just changing the personnel. So we had Azzy on for Carrot Keris. And we're like you, I was really happy to see Nikki up front. Less perhaps convinced about Cho as a holding midfield player, but hey, it wasn't that surprising. But then I think the game got off to what was probably one of the worst starts with a goal on eight minutes. That involved Nicolene Sorensen, who taking the ball from midfield, going down the right with absolutely loads of space. It kind of seemed like Azzy was the only defender on that whole side of the pitch and she wasn't very close to her. So by the time she started to close Sorensen down, there was still 10 to 15 yards between her and the player and another 10 to 20 yards behind Azzy to the first centre-back, which was Shalina. So that meant that Sorensen could comfortably cross and Katja Snoges, I'm sorry I'm saying her name wrong, um, cut in between Shalina and Molly and had a lot of space to get on the cross and poke the ball in the net. I'm not sure, perhaps Becky could have done more to save the ball. It sort of seemed to go almost underneath her waiting hands. But I think for me, the big issue here was just the amount of space Everton players had. What were you thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, lots of space. And and it was a feature of the game, I think, the Everton coming down that side and focusing on, on that side in their attacks, um, which kind of demonstrates that they obviously identified that as potentially a weaker area as he coming back obviously we know that she's got great aspects to a game but also she's young and she's learning and Shalina should be backing her up a bit more maybe should be helping her out there and other players should be back in there she shouldn't be there by herself and with only eight minutes gone it's hard to understand why there's not more kind of legs on players to be able to get back because they're not tired at that point so the only thing it can be is that they're either sw- switched off or not that bothered so it's a worrying thing after eight minutes to find her there dealing with that by herself and obviously not dealing with it as well as she might. Yeah, it did feel like, there, like you said, throughout the game, there were these weird positioning issues, which meant that there were gaps that people seemed to be in unexpected places. I mean, this is jumping way ahead, but I think there was a moment into the second half where Amy seemed to be on this side and Azzy had switched to the other side. And then we were trying to guess if they'd gone to a back five and the next minute they'd gone back to looking like this back four again. So I don't know if that's Rianne trying to create some flexibility into the system and that flexibility is producing gaps or if it is just at times that people end up where they are not expected to be. And obviously people don't stay in exactly the same place throughout a whole game, but there's something going on, I guess. Yeah, well, we know, I mean, Rianne, I think the top three in Rianne's sides often mix about and you find that the person who was in the wing comes to the centre and then swaps to the other wing. And, you know, the top three do regularly move about the way Rianne plays. But again, we were seeing, as you say, a lot, a lot more of that in this game than I think we've seen before. Just all over the pitch, we kind of were like, is it the tactic just to confuse Everton a little bit? Because, you know, and again, Ash would be on one side of the pitch one minute and the other side the next minute. Um, So lots of movement about. And I guess that can work. If the whole team is really well drilled on the shape and, and where people need to be, then that can work. But clearly in this instance, they weren't. Yeah, so the second goal was definitely an error. That one involved Molly, who was under a little pressure, playing a back pass to Becky from about 30 yards out. Jess Park started to close Becky down, but was still a distance from Becky when she received it. Instead of getting rid of the ball, which there was still plenty of time to do, Becky paused, tried to dribble around Jess Park, and Jess stole the ball from Becky and stuck it in the net. It was one of those ones where, you know, you're looking on and you are just kind of groaning because... 
you could see it coming. Obviously, we often think that Becky's going to make this mistake, but in this case, she did. It was a calamity, but... Like you say, it just feels like it's been coming. Um, Becky did this last season against Coventry, where she lost the ball on the edge of the box, you know, doing her, you know, trying to trying to be an outfield player in goal kind of moves. And we've a lot this season been like, just get rid, just get rid, just get rid whenever Becky's got the ball and she doesn't do that. And when, you know, when she's playing well, she she can get round players, but she hasn't been playing at her best this season. And it ha- she has scared us a few times. And this one, you know, Jess Park is not a slow player. She's not somebody who is, you know, who to be taken lightly. It was interesting. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about this later, but watching Tinney play against Southampton, I felt there was a clear kind of reaction to that in that Tinney didn't really seem to want the ball very much. I I do think it's kind of the way Becky plays and has made us nervous for a long time. And she does, at least once a season, make one of those big mistakes. But at this point in time, you know, second goal in a game which was a bit of a weird one anyway, just kind of felt like a really bad time for her to be making that mistake. Yeah, it did feel like a long way back at that point, didn't it? I mean, it was only the first half and obviously there were opportunities and we can talk about that, but it felt like that second goal was the one that really brought everybody down. And yeah, I mean, you know, one, one nil down after, you know, lack of concentration or whatever you put it down to in eight minute in the eighth minute, you can come back from that. But I mean, like we saw when we, when we thrashed Brighton, you know, that second goal relatively early on does have an effect on players and the Brighton heads dropped and, you know, Spurs players, again, you, you just think they don't, didn't really want to be out there in the first place. And now they've got two goals to get back. Yeah. So this first half ended two nil. After halftime, Rianne obviously recognised that things had to change a little bit and she brought on Jess for Nikki and moved Roz centrally and also Angarad James for Cho in what was more of a sort of straight swap. So Angarad taking up that holding midfield position, but then having we're still having three at the front, but it changed to then being Jess, Roz and Ash across the front. Did that make any difference? Uh, not really. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, there's there's still concerns over Nikki and her playing time. Obviously, I don't know whether that was a preordained move that Nikki was only going to play 45 minutes because we know that generally speaking, you know, as I say, the setup is there for a striker that only Nikki is really. We know that Roz hasn't had a great deal of success playing that central role, but she's the only player we've got who can kind of fill in for Nikki where need be. And I mean, has is probably a better player in that in that role than Cho. But two nil down, you want to you want to see a you know a real reaction after half time. And I don't think there was one. Yeah, it didn't feel like we were adjusting significantly to the way that Everton were playing or doing things to change the game at that point, did it? And I think Jess obviously is that per- that player who does run onto balls and if Haz is on the pitch, she can play those balls to her in a way that perhaps Cho isn't going to. And you saw Drew trying to, I guess, but pretty ineffectually. So yeah, the whole thing seemed quite frustrating. And then just to make matters worse, on 75 minutes after coming on... At halftime, Jess went down, and well, she went in for a tackle and seemed to twist her leg and went down injured and came off. We haven't heard anything from the club, so we hope that she's not injured badly and that she's okay. But she looked in a lot of pain as she went off down the tunnel and she didn't come out again for the rest of the game. And she wasn't either in the starting lineup or on the bench for the team that went to Southampton. So we don't know any more about that. It's obviously bad news because Jess isn't always, you know, a starter, but she's definitely one of our more 
reliable players in the front line. That meant, of course, that Celine came on and then on 82 minutes, we saw Chi coming on for Azzy with Ash moving back. Any thoughts about those substitutions? Did you see any impact there? I feel like I'm going to be repeating myself and you're going to be repeating yourself here. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously there was one which we'll talk about towards the end one big um, potential result of those changes but again it didn't feel like there was a significant change to the way we were playing it didn't feel you know sometimes when you get substitutions you feel that change of energy on the pitch and you feel like there's somebody coming on and driving it forwards now we've seen when Keris came on this season we've seen last season when Keris and Ash came on and that there really can be a change in in attitude when you get those new players on the field but it didn't really feel like that. It just kind of felt like more of the same, just with different people, really, I thought. (laughs) Yeah, I think that is, it's kind of summing up how these games have been, haven't they, for the last few games, is that it's pretty much the same formation. It's different people in the same roles, but seeing the same problems, being late to the ball, lack of control of the ball, lack of ability to convert chances or to create really good chances in the box, and lots of defensive mistakes and this feeling that players are not used to playing with each other still and don't know where to expect to find each other. It's quite frustrating. Yes, particularly when you're in minus four temperatures and um, doing your best to try and um, encourage the team <laughs> when you're not necessarily feeling the uh, that, given it, as fans, we've made a huge effort to be there on that evening with train strikes and all sorts of things. I think, as you say, there was a little bit of hysteria setting in as we all kind of saw the way the evening was going. But yeah, it just, just feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. And this is where I think I feel like we're reviewing these two games. We're going to, I think in a future pod, we're going to spend a bit more time thinking about solutions because at the moment it feels like we're kind of all stuck in that Groundhog Day ourselves and kind of hard to see the wood for the trees. So it'll be good to have a little break and be able to look back on these in the future. But still focusing on the game, as if we needed the game to get any worse. On the 90th minute, Ash was given a red card for a challenge that came about after she dribbled across the top of the box, avoiding two players who both tried to sort of pull her down, grabbing on her shirt, and then slid in for the ball after it had got loose and in the process took out Izzy Christensen. She looked confused. I mean, she often looks a bit confused when she is given a card of any colour, but she left the field visibly upset. And of course, because it's a straight red, if it's assessed to be violent conduct, it will probably mean a three-match ban. We haven't heard otherwise, so I assume that is the case. But like I say, we haven't heard. It's not entirely clear whether the game at Southampton is going to count as one of the games that she misses, but she wasn't on the bench or in the lineup for that game. So if it does count, that means that there's going to be another two games in the new year when we won't see Ash. Did you have any thoughts about the cards? Uh, I mean, it was difficult for us to see from from where we were um, exactly the, the nature of the challenge. I think Ash never intends it to be any, you know, which is why she always looks confused, I think, because as far as she's concerned, you know, she's just trying to do her job. I mean, it was a game where there was quite a lot of stuff from both sides, but I think particularly Everton were trying to get under our skins a bit. There was a bit of pushing and pulling from them. Uh, and so that does tend to wind Ash up, I think. But at the end of the day, it, it's a red card. And whether it was in, with talking to people, I think looking back at it, most people agree, you know, it's a challenge she shouldn't have made. So it's a red card. She's out for 
three games potentially, which in which is is not great for the team. Obviously, we've got an important game against Villa starting the season, and we need to be picking up points. And Ash has been a key player for us. On the other hand, I kind of feel there's too much dependence on Ash from the team, from the fans, from the media. That seems to be where all the attention is, is on Ash. And I wonder how much of that, Rachel, we've discussed this, but I wonder how much of that is having an effect on Ash. Um, She's never been quite so much in the limelight. I mean, gradually she has been, but this season it's kind of felt like with her goals as well as if you're playing as an attacking player, you automatically get more attention anyway. So I kind of feel like it's been ramped up a little bit this season. And I don't know whether that pressure has got to her because she hasn't been playing quite as well um, in the last couple of games as, as she was to start with. It's kind of felt like she's trying to live up to that expectation that's been placed on her because of those great goals that she scored this season and, and the way she's been playing. So maybe having a chance to sit back and let the rest of the team take some of the weight will be a good thing for her. But I think from a squad point of view, and again, and we'll get to this again, but after the Southampton game, Rianne mentioned the number of players who are not available for whatever reason or who have not been available for whatever reason. Hopefully we'll get most of those back during the winter break and we can start in January with a fresh. But if we if Jess's injury is serious, uh, we've already got players out with long-term injuries. Um, and yes, we've got some players hopefully coming back, but we could do with as many players as possible. Maybe this will make a decision about Esther Morgan and maybe this situation means Esther won't go back out on loan and she'll be back with us in January because she is possibly coming back to us. You know, she's got, we've, there's that option. Her, her loan ends uh, ended at the end of the winter break. So then option of her coming back or going out again. So maybe that makes the decision about what happens with Esther. But I guess we wait and see exactly what the ban is and, and what it applies to. And But yeah, hopefully the rest of the team will take some of the weight and, and some of the pressure and realise that they've got to step up and not let Ash do all the work. So we've just been joined by Abby. So hopefully she can weigh in on the final parts of the game. And in case we needed evidence that the game had gone to hell, Everton scored a third on 95 minutes. Shalina had headed the ball away, but only as far as Gio, who got a shot in from the edge of the area. It's worth noting that Gio is a Brazilian loanee from Arsenal and Jess Park, who had scored the previous goal, is also a loanee. We've talked before about the ways that some WSL clubs, both the ones sending and receiving loan players, benefit from this in ways that Spurs don't seem to do very effectively. Do you have any thoughts about the goal? I'll go to you first, Abby, since, you know, nice to have you with us now. Yeah, it's nice to be here. I mean, I think at that point, I was kind of like watching the game through my fingers and it was really more just like same as usual. I know I've said this on the pod before about Loney's like, I think like I remember hearing reports that we weren't going to get Jill Scott. I think it was last season because we were viewed as too much of a threat. And I can't help but think that like Everton finished 11th last year. So they got like two of the best young loanies in the league. I know that's not the only factor, but it does certainly seem to be one. And I can't help but think of it. I feel like I'm trying to think of like who who else are like the only loney that's coming to mind for me is like Vicky Schnatterbeck and uh Tang Gialli who certainly were not of the caliber of effectiveness or effectiveness as those two Park and Kieros so yeah that's my two cents on on loney is that it wasn't a very nice game was it I did not enjoy watching it at least you were in the wall yeah (laughs) 
This is true. This is true. I was, um, I was nice and warm. I was nice and warm. I did have it on, uh, on the big screen next to my work that I was doing for the day. And so as things were starting to get worse and worse, I was sort of like turning away more and more. Uh, yeah. Rough day, rough day at the office for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think traditionally Spurs on the low knee front have kind of been a bit naive maybe in the low knees that we have got in from Arsenal you know, Emma Mitchell and uh, and Schneiderbeck have been people who have needed game time and have therefore wanted to be loaned out for a reason for them rather that, that is kind of short term. And we've kind of gone, yeah, sure, they're coming from Arsenal. They must be decent. That's And not necessarily players in positions that we need. So I think we need to be more strategic about our loan signings and, and more cutthroat about it really if it's not going to be a player that's really advantageous to us and is instead coming in and playing for taking up the role of a a player who is actually a Spurs player why are we doing it so I think we need to be a lot more savvy about our our loan dealings in the future yeah that's an interesting point it makes me think like something I've heard people say I mean not necessarily about Spurs but about like men's sides it's like oh but we don't want to take these young promising players because we don't want to develop people's talent for them or something is the phrase you say. And you have to think that in this case, like it wouldn't be like, I, it actually would be like hugely advantageous to us right now to be taking advantage of other teams talent. And I don't know if that's the thinking behind it, but it does strike me as like, like you said, the players we've taken on loan have been sort of like mid career players or late career players who like, need playing time or like have found themselves too far down the depth chart at wherever team they came from and it just seems like that is not working for us you know and maybe we do need to step it up in the loan department I think also though what we were talking we talked about previously when we were talking about Rachel Daly and things is though that there is advantage to to players having come and played for the club and had a good experience I suppose and then talking to other people about it because Jill Scott quite possibly got in Rachel Daly's ear about Aston Villa. And so even if you are just taking young players on loan and you are developing somebody else's talent, you might also then find that when that club doesn't need them anymore or when another player at that club is surplus to requirements and they're looking for somewhere else, you've got somebody saying, yeah, but Spurs actually is you know, a really good setup. We really had a good time there. And that word of mouth thing really is helpful as well. And I think we need to take advantage of that, getting the kind of network of of agents out there. So, you know, we can't have Tinny being the only agent in our squad signings. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because we did, I believe that's how, I mean, you actually probably know more about this than I do, given your proximity to the situation. But I can't help but think like the original rumor about Drew Spence was that she was going to Brighton. And then it was like, oh, Brighton or Tottenham. And then it was like, yeah, obviously she's coming to Tottenham. And I know that like she's really close with like Rosella and some other players on our squad. So I was thinking like maybe that's starting to work, but there obviously could have been other factors at play. (laughs) But yeah, I'd love to see more of that. I noticed um, two of our players, Cho and I can't remember who the other one was, but Cho and someone else were out to coffee with a West Ham player today. And I was like one that I thought was good. And I didn't even envision bringing this up on the pod today. So I didn't check back on who it was, but I was like, interesting, interesting. Um, So I just wonder about these things and like the connections that exist and like, yeah, how we could leverage them better. Yeah, because Cho obviously came to us from West Ham. So oh, good point. Connections there. Yeah. So we seem to have gone off onto a tangent talking about loanies, but that's fine because who wants to talk about this game? Um, (laughs) 
Okay, so um, but I think it's worth noting that this is the sixth WSL game in which we've failed to find the net. In the three games when we've actually scored, we've also won, but that's just three games out of nine. Before the season started, we said that scoring goals was going to be the biggest challenge. It looks like it still is. And Brighton aside, we're not finding the net. What was the issue in this game? You know, there was this discussion about, oh, were there chances? Did we fail to take our chances? Or is it something else? I mean, it didn't feel like there were a lot of chances. It didn't it didn't feel like we were just unlucky. Um, it felt like Everton took their chances and then the rest of the game was a bit of a usual kind of midfield, not great for us, kind of not retaining the ball. It didn't feel like Everton were hugely better than us, but they did have three chances and they took three chances, you know. I think one of our problems is that we don't get players in the box still, that we only have Nicky as that kind of player that will force a ball over the line if need be. Maybe Ash if she's involved, but that's not really the role that she's being given. So we do struggle with that lack of Rachel Williams type player um, because Nikki's been out injured so much. And you've got Roz who can put in a good cross. I and mean, we've seen some great crosses from Roz over the years. It's not, not her favourite position and she doesn't seem to like to play there, but she can put in good crosses. But good crosses don't make a difference if you've got nobody in the box. Yeah, it did feel like through that game, we had a lot of players outside of the box taking speculative shots that either went wide or over the goal or, you know, we're just very weak or we had these crosses to no one or, yeah, just a failure to move the progress the ball up the pitch. It was... It wasn't great. Happy. Yeah, I think like, I don't know, it's hard not to think like if somebody tells you like you need to take more shots, like to me, the easiest way and like, obviously, I don't know, I'm not a professional player. I have no idea what I'm talking about. The easiest way to take more shots is to like, when you receive the ball right outside the box, you're going to look up and shoot and take a speculative shot. So it really does feel like this is sort of like the degenerate case of like a team that is trying to attack more when what we really need is like better ways to progress the ball into the box and like get make it easier for players to get into the box yeah it's been feeling like a lot of like not taking our chances lately I just keep watching other teams and like seeing players like do decisive things whether they come off or not and it's just hard not to look at that and be like why do we just feel like we make it so hard for ourselves and then also we don't have players who look threatening or like decisive or like they are confident in going for goal Um, And obviously a lot of that is like hindsight (laughs) since we're not scoring, but it's just, it's hard not to look and think that. I think you're right. I think the word decisive is really important there. It's definitely one of the things that I've seen and thought about is how many touches players are taking before they either pass or shoot or do something with the ball. And especially in the box, you just don't have time for that. And the more touches you take, the more often you're going to kind of end up going back to the baseline, back to, you know, or you're going to just get closed down or something else is going to happen. Yeah. It's funny you should mention that. I'm sure we're going to talk about this in a minute. But one thing I noticed about the goal we scored against Southampton was how few touches Roz took before she crossed it. And I was like, I was watching it, that whole play. And I was like, wow, look at that. Players getting two, three touches on the ball and no more. Like that is kind of what I was talking about. Yeah, so we're about to get to that. So before we get there, I just one of the things I wanted to highlight about this game is that it's probably an aside, but it was really interesting to note. There was an interview from Amy Turner after the game which kind of stood out because she provided a much more brutal assessment than other 
players or the manager or other kind of people associated with the team have done. And she kind of refused to find the positives in the game against Everton. Did you guys see that? And do you think it gave a sort of sense of where the team is at at the moment? I mean, I kind of hope it gives a sense of where the team is at at the moment in many ways. And, you know, I know that it do the press and stuff. You have to be, you have to try and be kind of upbeat and we know that Shalina, that is her, how she operates. She's very much of a kind of a North a North American kind of cheery, happy, making the best of the situation kind of a person. But at some point you have to step up and say, it's not good enough. We need to do better. And it's not, and, and I feel like a lot of the players in Rihanna have been harping back to the win at Brighton as if to say, it's all right though, because we can score goals. And as fans, we want to turn around and say, yeah, you can score goals against a Brighton team who were on a really bad day who who are clearly in a really bad place and not playing well at all. You, you've scored eight great goals against them, but you need to be doing more against other sides. You, you can't just rely on that one game to show how good you are. And I think it's nice to see that. I mean, I, also Ash did um, tweet an apology for her sending off, and which was, you know, typical Ash really. Um, so I think there is a sense of we need to do more and it's, it, you know, get the sense that Amy Turner is going to be a, rest- a respected player in that dressing room. She's got a lot of experience and hopefully she can help the team and she would have been in these situations before she's a seasoned player. So, it, you know, once they recognise that problem, it, it's, it's great to know that they're a good, there's a good spirit in the team and they're all family and they all get on really well. But at some point as well, that needs to turn around into take, holding each other to account and making sure that the team is forming better than they have. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think like, was it after this game that um, Shalina tweeted something out about, or not tweeted, she posted on her story, like, trust us, we're still learning, which like, for her, as you said, that's like, definitely less positive than usual. So obviously got like that, like, she's going to be the captain, she's going to be the, the person with the um, you know, putting out optimistic messages. I did like to see that one as well because I was, it just felt like different from stuff she's put out in the past, like more of an acknowledgement, like about being in the midst of a process, but not like overly optimistic. So I thought that one was nice as well. Well, it's good to know that they realized there are some problems. Let's see how much they got resolved in the second game that we're going to talk about, which was away in the Conti Cup to Southampton. As we said last week, we only needed a draw to finish top of our group and go through to the next round, which is the course of finals. And after Wednesday's performance, there was a lot of talk in the club and sort of in press conference about sort of bouncing back. Our opponents, Southampton, were promoted to the championship, which is the second tier last season. So we might have expected that they were, quote, easier opposition, but they are currently fourth and just two points behind the leaders fighting for promotion. The lineup for this game involves six changes from Wednesday. We saw Tinney back in goal for the first time in pretty much like a month. Backline of Keris, Molly and Amy at centre-back and Gracie Pierce came in at right-back. Angarad and Evelina are in the holding midfield with Celine in front of them and Chi and Roz wide with Nikki again starting up front centrally. This was the first game of the season I wasn't actually at, so I had to rely on Southampton's actually pretty good radio coverage. So well done, Southampton, for that. Although the radio announcer had a real problem with um, pronouncing Nikki's surname and kept on saying Korchepka. And of course, she scored the goal, which we will get to. And so he had to pronounce her name lots of times. 
but Sean, you did make it all the way to Southampton in the pouring rain. What did you make of the lineup? Ah, uh, well, first of all, next, if we ever go to a stadium that starts with Saints again, remind me to put on waterproof trousers and the whole deal. Because every time we go to somewhere that starts with Saint, I get drowned. St Andrews last season, St Mary's this season. Lineup was great to see Tinny back in goal. Um, I think we kind of guessed after the Everton game because Becky did kind of hobble off after the Everton game, apart from anything else, and after issues there I think we were kind of expecting Tinny to be in goal great to see her back and Rianne did make a comment post-match about uh, Tinny which suggested she has had some sort of injury or issue that has meant she hasn't been able to be playing backline interesting to see Amy at centre-back and again interesting I think to see that for the second time it was Shalina that was on the bench and Molly who was starting despite the fact that Shalina's the captain so interesting rotation at centre-back there Molly is clearly important and again Molly is carrying I mean she's taped up on a thumb and an elbow and I think there was some tape on her shoulder as well so (laughs) carrying some injuries and still being the one that's starting says something about the importance of of Molly to the to the lineup I think good to see Gracie Pierce getting a start again she's obviously you know a player that we are hoping to to build up you know has and Evelina are um, I think probably our favourite kind of players in those positions. Celine getting some game time is great. And then, yeah, Chi coming in to start as well, which she could do with some some more minutes. I guess we need to see she's kind of become again that player that she was before she was suspended of doing lots of running, but not necessarily making much of it. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting lineup, I think. Um, yeah, I was interested to see... Um, well, I mean, I was happy to see Gracie getting some minutes. Um, I was like satisfied overall that it was like a good enough lineup to do the job. I know there was um, some confusion about where Ash was. I saw that and just assumed that she was suspended for this game because, you know, otherwise it just doesn't make sense for her to not even be on the bench. Yeah. And I was obviously happy to see young players on the bench. I always like that for a game. So yeah, overall, I was, I was happy. I'm, I'm hoping like, I've said this before, but like, I was really happy to see Celine starting because I, I think she's very good and the more minutes that she gets for us, the better. And I don't, I know, well, I don't know if she's had a few knocks or whether her minutes are being managed or what, but the more we can get her back, the more we can get her on the pitch, the better. So this was actually in talking about Celine, it was the first time that we saw her in that central attacking midfield role. So she was kind of coming in, in, the position that Drew has played more often did that work I'm not sure that it did to be honest with you I kind of felt she was quieter than she usually is I don't know whether that's just getting lost in the middle of the pitch there or um but I I didn't feel like I noticed her so much as I do when she's out on the pang wide I mean it was all a bit of a a mess anyway and she did get dumped on towards the end of the game and was was down for a little while but yeah it's difficult to talk about this game in any way positively really because we were playing Southampton side who no disrespect to Southampton we should you know we should have been beating and uh, we did beat them but if this had been uh, any other side we would have lost this game because we were losing the ball all over the shop we had a, a small number of passages of play where I felt like there was some good passing of the ball but they were like one little movement and then we went back to not really doing that uh, I mean obviously it was horrible conditions for the players it was absolutely hammering it down with rain so the pitch was slippy the ball was slippy but um yeah I don't 
it, it's difficult to say, but I, I didn't feel like I noticed Celine as much as I normally, as, and she didn't get as much time as she does when she's out on the wing, I don't think. Yeah, and like, obviously, I haven't been able to watch it. But while you were talking, it was occurring to me that one thing I think she does really well on the wing is use the touchline, like, she knows where it is like she beats players off of it like she's very good with that space and so yeah I'm curious to see like what not having that is like for her and so yeah that totally makes sense to me so Spurs dominated possession and then we did score as we've already said after Roz wafted a ball into the box and Nikki was able to control it and poke it home at close range past the onrushing goalkeeper in the 26th minute it was a relief to score a goal any goal But is there anything else that we can take from both the goal and the lead up? Abby, you've already talked about the fact that this was a one touch from Roz. I know that one of the things that I thought about was that if anybody other than Nikki was in the position she was in, they probably would have tried to take too many touches or control it in a different way. And she was just happy to get it in the net any old fashion. So I was very happy it was Nikki there. But I don't know if there were other things that either of you took from this. No, I mean, it. You know, uh, again, cross from Roz. We know that Roz can do that. As I, as I said before, I don't think she likes to play in that position as much. But to me, it's where she's more effective often if she can get a cross in and if there is somebody waiting in the box. Um, and as I said, we need that player that just wants to get the ball over the line, however that happens. And we know that Nikki can do that. And so it's great to see her doing that. The difficulty is, of course, the quality of the opposition. And as we've said, Southampton are better than they might be, but they are still a championship side and we are still aiming to be a top half Super League side. So we should be scoring more and we should be doing better. And one goal is is great. It's a goal. We took the three points. We did what we needed to do, but it wasn't something that was going to build confidence in the side, I don't think. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I like found myself getting a little too excited over this result and then had to remind myself that I know Southampton have been having like a really good season, but it's like still like they've been having a really good season for a side recently promoted to the second tier. And as you said, we should still be beating them. One thing that I was wondering about was from the highlights it did look like there were some misses that Nikki had that I was like hoping that like oh maybe well because she scored one like maybe in the next game like she'll some of those misses will start going away because like I really liked what she was doing so from like my limited interaction with this game I'm like hoping that that's at least something that I can hang my hat on but you know I agree. I think we all do a lot of hat hanging on Nikki's potential (laughs) and how that might be realised. I think one of the things that was noticeable for me, just again, I like Abby, mostly watch the highlights and but listen to the commentary live. And one of the things the commentator kept on talking about was that other than that goal, there were not that many opportunities and in fact there were these periods of pressure from Southampton with Tinney making a couple of saves not massively tricky saves but like in the previous game and in several of our games recently some of the problems seem to come from losing the ball inside our own half and inviting attacks was that something that you could see in the stadium yeah definitely just like yeah as you say uh, as in recent games giving the ball away too much those passes that are either <laughs> either the pass is too heavy or the receipt of it isn't good enough but we're not we're losing the ball in those situations and just not being clinical enough with our passing and the as as I say, if this wasn't Southampton, if this if we've been playing Aston Villa or Everton, let alone Chelsea or Arsenal, it would have been more goals because 
there were so many times that we gave them the opportunity to come back at us. One of the upsides from the game and something that Abby referred to earlier was that there were a few younger players who were getting minutes, starting on the bench or starting in the lineup. So it included Gracie Pierce, who, as we've already talked about, started, but also Lena Gunning-Williams, who came on for Nikki and got her second bit of Conti Cup experience. As a striker, managed to take a couple of shots, didn't score, but is taking shots. And also Kaylee Stead, who made her debut coming in for Chi. What did you make of these players? I guess the the good thing or the worrying thing is that they didn't really make a difference either way. You know, they, they didn't feel like, oh my God, the, the academy <laughs> players have just come on and it got a lot worse. And neither did they have the opportunity to do with what Lena did against Coventry and, you know, score a goal. So it just kind of felt like more of the same, really, which, as I say, is, is not as positive as it might be. I love that. It, the upside is <laughs> you didn't see a drop in the quality. The downside is the quality stayed exactly the same. <laughs> not what we want exactly. But I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens if hopefully the team gets a little bit more dynamic in the new year and they come into play in games where there is more quality on the field. Um, So with that win, Spurs have finished top of their group on nine points. That means that we're going to be playing in the quarterfinals of the Conti Cup. Yay! By the time that this actually goes out, we'll probably know who our opponents are, but we don't know at the time of recording. Um, So we'll link to that information. What we do know is that whoever we play, they're probably going to be a lot better than Southampton. We are likely to face tough opponents. I wonder though, given where we are this season and how much we're struggling how much of a priority do you think the cup is going to be do you think this is going to be one where we go okay well you know it's our it's what we've got left so we're going to focus on the cup or is it going to be one of those things that is a distraction from trying to get our shit together in the WSL I don't I mean I think I I don't think it matters what the competition is the the situation we're in is we need to start playing well and you need to take all the games that you can and and use all of the games that you've got. It's only the second time ever that we've got out of the group stage of the Conti Cup, largely thanks to the fact that the European teams no longer play in the group stages. Um, Last season, we got a great draw and we played Liverpool, who were then, of course, in the championship. Um, You know, I think it's a good thing. I think we've got to just give everything our all and just keep playing. I don't think because it's not like it's a just we're being unlucky in the league kind of situation. It's a it's about how we're playing. So I think we need to use every opportunity we've got to work out how we you know play the whoever you're going to play, but just use the opportunity to make sure that we're all firing as, as best we can and and that every every chance we get we're we're taking a shot and we're scoring those goals. And if you're scoring goals, it doesn't matter whether it's in the league or the cup. You're scoring goals, and that's a habit that's habit forming isn't it yeah you'd like to hope it's interesting because like when when I was first thinking over that question I was like well of course we have to go for the cup like you know it's not like it's not like we're we're relatively like we're you know we're gonna be mid-table sorry I was just trying to find a, a way to say that 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 wouldn't make me ultimately jinx our fortunes for the season <laughs> um anyway we're like hanging around in mid-table uh there's not a huge amount riding on what's going on with us right now. So why not like just give it our all in the cup? So I had that thought and then I was like, man, but like, I feel like we've been giving it our all in some of these last few games and it hasn't been coming out very well. So like what, like, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you, Sean. I think I'm kind of like, well, yeah, we should obviously like try our hardest, but I don't, 
know that that's really going to make a difference and make it look like what you might traditionally think of as like focusing on the cup. You know what I'm saying? Of course, like a lot of that depends on whether things turn around and whether we make improvements in the January transfer window or what. But from right now, I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, give it a go. Yeah, we've also got the FA Cup as well. And we've been drawn against London City Lionesses in the FA Cup. So they're again a championship side who we would be hoping to get a result against. So not the easiest tie we could have got in that competition, but at least it's a home game. I was getting worried when they started pulling out Barnsley and people um, that we were going to be hauling ourselves all the way up there. But it's a home tie. So again, that you know, that should give us an advantage. And two cup competitions, more game time, hopefully players back from injury and, and really push on. As it is, isn't it? A lot of it depends on who's coming back from injury when and if we've got players who are on limited minutes and so they can't play a lot or do we have players who we need to warm up and so we need them to have more game time. And I feel like our injury crises are going in two directions. I don't know where we're going to be by the new year. Well, Kit's definitely been in the training videos, training with the team. So hopefully by the time we get to the end of the winter break, she'll be able to start getting some minutes in games. How much that will be, obviously, to begin with will be will be less, but hopefully cup, you know, FA Cup ties against championship sides and things are a good place to get some minutes and hopefully we'll see Kit back to scoring ways pretty quickly. Okay, all my fingers and toes are crossed for Kit and also that Jess is not actually properly injured. So on Sunday night, after we had gloriously beaten Southampton 1-0, the club tweeted, finishing 2022 on a high. Not everybody responded very positively to that. What do you think about it as a take? Well, it's really funny because I was going to use the opposite of that for my subheader on one of the articles I was writing. I was going to say like 2022 ended with a whimper, not a bang. And then we won the Southampton game and I was like, can I still use that? And I like had a good think about it. And what I ultimately decided is that like, I am going to still use it. So I don't know. I don't know that I, I mean, it could have been worse, I guess, is what I make of that. Like I wouldn't exactly call it ending on a high, but it's maybe like more like at least ending on an upturn. Yeah. I mean, we, we won a game, we got three points, we secured promotion to the quarterfinals of the uh, Conti Cup for the for the second time in our history you know I guess if you look at it like that that's quite good but I think anybody who's actually been watching the games would not describe it as finishing the season on a high even three points in that way is not a high I, I know that the the social media team have to try and be positive all the time and we know that, that that's kind of how they operate but that was perhaps a little bit too far. And I know there was some reaction uh, on Twitter and things from people um, essentially laughing at that as a statement. Um, and with the best one in the world, I try to be positive about Spurs women and, and the direction of travel and try and be realistic given where we are. But still, I would not describe those last few games, even the last one, even that Southampton game is finishing on a high. Yeah, I think it's definitely been a really difficult run in the WSL, especially. We've played some of the teams that we thought were going to be our rivals for sort of best of the rest or the middle of the table. And we have lost to them. We've also lost in ways where we it wasn't that we just lost a close game. We really did deserve to have lost to them and then we have struggled for victories against championship teams who we should be beating handily so 
definitely not loads to be optimistic about. On the other hand, it is nice to get a win against whoever. And all you can do is get through to the next round of a cup. And that is a good thing. I guess we can take that. There's obviously lots more to say and to sort of ponder and think about with respect to where we are in the season, transfer windows, where we might want to be positive about the team, where we're hoping that changes are going to be made. But there is a lot already on this podcast. And so with the WSL not restarting until the 14th of January, when Spurs are going to be away to Aston Villa, another tricky game. We will put out podcasts during the break where we will have a little bit more reflection on the season so far and where we hope to see, you know, new transfers or other changes. For now, though, I guess that's pretty much it. Unless there's anything else on these two games that Shana Abbey, you want to say? I just would like to say it was nice to see Megan win at Southampton coming off the bench, ex-Spurs player who we all love. So great to see her getting some minutes and hopefully she'll be getting more minutes um, at Southampton than she has been. Well, from us then, it's goodbye. Uh, Have a great Christmas or whatever you celebrate. If you're bored, you can find our back episodes on ACAS or your platform of choice. Feel free to leave us a review if you enjoyed the podcast even if you're just using our podcast as therapy to help you get through all those Spurs women games. We are hoping for lots of time out for the team and that they may rejuvenate, recover, find new ways of working together so that in the new year, we'll have lots of exciting, positive podcasts for you about all of our wins. Until then, goodbye from us. (laughs) 